0: live streamers there's no game on today nor tomorrow i don't think the next day either we're just sitting here waiting for the world series to start what is this football well let me tell you something we have the matchup set up we know it's going to be philadelphia versus houston let's look at the houston point of view with friend of the podcast h-town wheelhouse of locked on astros this is locked on mlb
1: You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB
0: podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I have a low third somewhere. There it is. Feel free to call me Sully. I am an Emmy nominated television producer. I've been a comedian, a filmmaker, a writer. I've written for magazines. I've appeared on HBO Talking Baseball. And I've been podcasting about baseball for over 10 years. In fact, my 10th anniversary was just the other day for the Old Sully Baseball Show, and now I've been part of the Locked On Podcast Network for the last four seasons. And we are the podcast that doesn't mind if a podcaster has credentials or is in the locker room. Those of you may know what that's all about. We welcome everyone to have a podcast Everybody can have a podcast. You have a podcast. You have a podcast, and you have one too. If you're in the live stream, you're watching us there. Send in something in the chat. Keep it clean, or or don't keep it clean. If you if you don't keep it clean, I'll just read a, a, a sterilized version of it. Hey, follows at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram, and I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Uh, my guest today. Is making his. Uh, I've done what about nearly 1,000 episodes of Lockdown MLB, and I think my guest today has been on half of them. Uh, he's been on the show a bunch, but that's because there's a lot to talk about with his team. And, uh, it, you know, it's uh, the two of us have sometimes tussled and disagreed about some stuff, but I think uh, it's safe to say it's good to be an Astros fan right now. It's good to be one, and it's good to have back on Brett Chansey, otherwise known as H-Town Wheelhouse, from the Wheelhouse Cave, somewhere in an That's undisclosed right. location <laughs> under Stately Chansey Manor in Houston, Texas. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Man, I'm doing great, Sully. If, if you would have told me that the Astros would have two years in a row where they go to the World Series and have a chance to win it against an NLEs team, I would say I think you're crazy. But this year, I don't think the narrative is that crazy because this Astros team, this pitching staff, has been absolute lockdown, about as solid and perfect.
0: Locked on. on. Oh, sorry. Locked on. Keep on brand. Keep on brand. Come
1: on. My bad. So I recently wrote an article for 103.7 The Game, who I'm a correspondent for now. I talk to them every week. I talk to RP3 and company down there. And my, the title of my article is Perfection Isn't Always Perfect. And the perfect record, it isn't perfect, but they found a way.
0: Right. Well, I mean, look at the Astros are now the third team in the history of the current incarnation of the postseason to go into the World Series with a perfect record. Now, the, the other two teams were the 2007 Rockies and the 2014 Kansas City Royals. And I think the interesting thing about both of them, the Rockies had to play. There was not, It was not the wild card game, but it kind of was. They had to play a one-game playoff okay. with the, with the San Diego Padres for the wild card, of which they were three outs away and Trevor Hoffman on the mound from losing that game. They would have been a one-and-out and totally forgotten that they even made the postseason and Hoffman blew the save and that Kansas city Royals team had to play a wild card game and they did against Oakland and twice in that same game, they were two outs away from losing. The A's were on the verge of eliminating Kansas city. And they came back, um, in both in, in both the, uh, ninth inning and the 11th inning to win that game. And Then they went on the uh, Rockies swept Philadelphia and swept Arizona to go to the World Series. And that Kansas City team swept the Mike Trout Angels, his lone appearance in the postseason, and then stunningly shot the Orioles, who I thought were much better than them, in the ALCS. Now, the interesting thing is both of those teams, the Rockies and the Royals, wound up losing the World Series. The Rockies got swept by Boston, who just were better. And right. the Royals got to a thriller in Game Seven against San Francisco, where the winning run was at the plate when Salvador Perez popped up against Madison Bumgarner, and the Giants won that series. So the perfect this the perfect postseasons did not end perfectly for those <laughs> two teams. This Astros oh. team, unlike those other two teams, are not massive underdogs. Who fought their way from the wild card all the way to a shocking pennant? The Astros won a pennant that they were supposed to win, and they did.
1: They did. And the, when you look at the previous, the last two teams, um, we, we know 2017 won it, but when you look at 20, I mean 2019 and 2021, they get to the LCS, they come against a nationals team, um, I mean, they get to the World Series, they come against the Nationals team that just was a team of destiny. They get to the Braves team, who basically was powered by four free agent signings, and Mm -hmm. Will Smith, who's now a Houston Astro, and will probably make his way on the World Series staff. When you compare the bullpens, the bullpen this year, you don't even hold a candle to this bullpen from the other two teams. Oh, absolutely not. No, absolutely. Because when I look at the stat sheet, I was looking at the press notes the other day and I was like, wait, they're all zeros. They haven't given up a run. They actually literally give it three runs in 30 innings as relief pitchers. This is insane. And well, I think it's the perfect antithesis to the hot hitting Phillies. And that's what we'll talk about today.
0: Well, I mean, look at the one of the most amazing things is obviously they're the ERA that they had, the group ERA they had against New York. Was off the charts, just tremendous. Their group ERA in the series against Seattle was 2.25 over those three games, and that includes these six runs led up by Justin Verlander in his shaky Game One. He led up nine; he led up six earned runs, and the rest of the team led up three for the entire series. Uh, You know, you can't have an 18-inning game on the road that's a shutout and not being all the pitching staff you were on the podcast in September and we talked about this we talked about how do you know what you know i was saying like well is, are, is it going to be the yankees is it going to be toronto is going to be seattle is it going to be cleveland and i actually thought cleveland had a shot to i actually i was cute when i picked them i thought they're going to upset the astros but you know i was saying the Pitching staff that Houston has right now is just such heads and shoulders above everyone else. It's so like it's so insanely deep. I mean, we were talking at one point when you had when I had you on uh in that uh that episode this last September, I was saying, I don't know, should Hunter Brown get a start? Should uh what was the who was the other one I thought? Should Luis Garcia get a start? And right. as it turned out, They were both critical to use out of the bullpen, especially Garcia in the series against uh, Seattle. And it just, if someone didn't have a great game, it's like McCullers didn't have a great game in game four against New York. And then some of the announcers were saying, like, why isn't Dusty taking him out? Because he knows that, you know what? Well, he pushed him for five to five innings. So they didn't have to bring in one of their relievers in the third or fourth. Pushed them to right. five. They knew they had, they knew the game was tied at that point. And they also said that, okay, but we know we can turn to Naris and everybody else. And it just, everything ran perfectly to script. And that depth it, is what carried him past a very good Seattle team and obviously a talented Yankee team.
1: And I would say that Seattle was the better competition overall. I mean, okay. you give Seattle. You know, seven games, maybe they turn things around in one of those games. And we knew going into Seattle that it was going to be a ruckus. It was going to be loud. It was their first playoff game in 21 years. Everybody was there. Well, funny was Grinky was there with his family. They were all dressed in Mariner's gear because they have friends and family that are from Washington. They're from Seattle. And so God, Zach Grinky was incognito. He was in his Bass Pro Shop hoodie and a Bass Pro Shop bucket fishing hat. And nobody recognized him. But I'm like, if I would have seen him, I would have recognized that guy for sure. But Luis Garcia, Sully, this guy sits on Mm -hmm. a staff that boasts seven bona fide starters, four of which could be aces. And Luis Garcia could easily sit down with a coach and make a case that he should be one of those four starters. Yeah. Of course, he's got Christian Javier in his way. But he's still very good. And we haven't even seen Jose Arquiti once. Jose Arquiti is the only person on this pitching staff that has a 3-0 record in the World Series. Yep. So he's got the most World Series wins of any pitcher, and we've yet to see him. But I mean, going. yeah. Sorry, keep going. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you in there. That's okay. But going back to Luis Garcia, when he came out, and credit to Dusty, because Eric and I, and probably more so me than Eric, I've been, I guess, hypercritical, right? I think I've been too quick to jump the gun with different roster moves, different lineup moves, different bullpen moves. But Dusty Baker has conducted an absolute master class and I think done the best job of deploying a bullpen that he's ever done in his career. And I said at the beginning of the playoffs, the X factor for the Astros is not your Don, is not JV. It's Dusty Baker.
0: Yeah. And we've seen how he handled the, you know, the series where he's, you know, he trusts certain pitchers to go, you know, push him an extra inning, or know that all right, you gave you gave us uh, what I need from you. I need you ready for tomorrow if need be and pull him. Look you can't you can't fault anything he's done. The pitching has been what's carried him this point. And they've really had only two mediocre starts. The Verlander in game one against Seattle was lousy, and uh McCullough's. In the clincher game wasn't great, but he kept McCullers in long enough so he didn't blow his bullpen out. And the bullpen did their job for the rest of his game. You think about Seattle, Seattle was two swings away from being up two games to one in that series. Yeah, they were they had the lead with two outs at the bottom of the ninth, and Robbie Ray led up the home run to um, Alvarez. Uh, it was wait, yeah, yeah, it was Alvarez, Alvarez in game right. one. Yeah, Alvarez was game one, that's right. And it was Pena in the, the finale. But that was, there was what, as I said, when I had Eric on, you know, it was the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th inning. If the Mariners hit a home run in any of those innings, they win that game. And we're not talking perfect playoff. If they, both of those games, they get the final out in game one, and they push one run across in extra innings before the 18th in game three, they're up two to one. That's right. And we're having a very different conversation here. And maybe Zach Grinke's had another game in Seattle. But the fact of the matter is, I could just tell you, the way Dusty's been managing, there are Houston fans all over Texas who are willing to just give the shirt off their back to Dusty Baker. Let's talk about shirts for a second. You know, what what, what what can you tell me about shirts?
1: So dress shirts are tricky. It's hard to find one that fits just right while also being comfortable, and that matches your style. We know you're a stylish guy, Sully. Plus, with all the hustle and bustle that you got going on, you need a dress shirt that looks good enough to get the deal done at work. Whether you're hanging out with Steve Carell or you're taping a classic um, series about the Boston Red Sox, it's got to be comfortable enough to play catch with your kids and dropping them off at practice. And see, the dress shirt was due for a radical renovation. Kind of like the Astros after they lost 100 straight, you know, 100 games in three straight seasons. Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Mobility is everything. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way. Looking good is easy. It's time to feel confident with the wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear. Kind of like runs on the scoreboard when the Astros relief pitchers are on the mound. And it's an easy shirt to go with because it's got odor-free technology. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, even Rignet Odor would smell good in this shirt. The technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Ron is 100% machine washable. So you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through the workday. This is what I want you to do. Go to Roan.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% on your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you go to rhonecom ecom slash locked on and use the code locked on today.
0: Hey, by the way, uh, those of you who are in the chat, uh, I see you, David Samuel Blaine. David Samuel Blaine is one of my regular listeners here, and he nice. loves to stop by the chat. How you doing, buddy? Nice and he gave me a nice little high Sully here. Hey, uh, Adam Scott Bristol is uh has been following me since the old Sully Baseball Daily show. Uh, in fact, he came, if I'm not mistaken, he came to the live taping of my 1,000th episode of the Old Sully Baseball show back in 2015. Uh, but he has he throws a question your way. Yeah. Um, he says, Brett, who's Brett? That's H Town. Come on, he's in a superhero <laughs> garb. Uh, Brett, why do you think Alvarez struggled in the playoffs? Anything the Yanks or M's were doing differently pitching to him?
1: Well, the thing they didn't do is they didn't pitch a lot of low and inside unless your name's Robbie Ray. I mean, that's why Robbie Ray threw that fastball on the inside of the plate. And if you go back and look at the four at-bats prior to that versus Robbie Ray, that's the only time Jordan Alvarez got a hit against him. I'm still wondering why Scott Service pulled Seawald because Jordan Alvarez is one for seven with six strikeouts against Paul Sewell. I don't know why he pulled him. So, but why, to answer your question, Jordan Alvarez has, they've just pitched him well. And um, they have been putting the ball over the plate where he has not been effective, you know, after game one and two in games, one and two, he had three balls that were hit over hundred miles per hour from that point on in the ALDS he didn't hit a you didn't get a hard hit ball over 100 miles an hour until game 4 against the Yankees when he got that RBI single and i believe that was off Clay Holmes he's just you know he wasn't as locked in as he should have been at the end of the season he dealt with some hand injuries and i don't know which one of his hands and how much they were hurt but i don't think that's the reason i just think they had a good game plan going in Jordan Alvarez, it will be key this World Series for him to not expand the strike zone, for him just to put the bat on the ball and be patient. He did get a couple walks that last game. And I think he's less prone to continue a downward slump in this series because he's a very smart hitter for his age.
0: You know, I think it's also, we're talking a three-game series with Seattle and a four-game. It's a grand total of seven games that we're talking about. And in those seven games, he hit a game winning home run in two of them and got the game tying hit. in the, And in the finale uh, against New York the other night, uh, he got on base three times, including the, the hit that drove in the t- the the tying run. So I, I, I'm i not going to go too bananas over the fact that, you know, a grand total of what, four games. He had three games where he was terrific. And four games, uh, you know, that's uh, that, that didn't go so well. Um, but uh, oh, hey, by the way, we've got one more thing from Adam S- Scott Bristol. We're taking yes. questions here at segment 2 You know, doing a little loosey goosey, but that's fine. That's why we do the live stream. And uh, he says it's a little ironic that Stroh's a benefit from the odd bullpen decisions by Service and Boone, and Dusty's decisions have all worked out perfectly. Horses for courses, I guess. Um, you all look at I think that part of this has to do maybe Dusty, who let's remember, managing the postseason in 1997, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2016, 2017, 2020, 2021 and 2022. Maybe he's learned a thing or two. I don't know.
1: Maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks, right? This is the
0: fourth consecutive decade where Dusty Baker has managed a team in the postseason. Maybe we start giving the guy a little bit of credit, but he also has, let's give the front office a lot of credit here, too. They have a really good pitching staff that they've built for him, and let's give the pitching staff and the pitching coaches and the scouts and everyone credit for doing that. But, yeah, give Dusty credit for knowing when to pull the pitchers, when not to pull the pitchers. Maybe he learned something from pulling Russ Ortiz too early in the 2002 World Series. I think that was the last thing my father uttered before he died was, Dusty, don't pull Ortiz. And then then the next year he overcorrected by leaving. I think Mark Pryor is still on the mound uh, in in the middle of that rally in game six with the Cubs. So maybe he's kind of learned the yin and the yang and being able to pull that off. But you know he has the horses. He's being able to do it right, and yeah, Aaron Boone is a makes weird decisions as the service. There's no getting around it. Uh, Aaron Boone I brought in Lou, took uh, out his ace in the sixth inning, and brought in Lou Trevino to pitch. I, I
1: what thought the hell I is thought going Aaron, on there? I thought Aaron Boone was going to hire the vendor in the in section 120 in Yankee Stadium to pitch for him. I mean, that's a kind of Mickey Mouse stuff he was doing. Um, but you mentioned the pictures, you mentioned the front office and giving Dusty the pictures. I've got a quick little anecdotal story about how the Astros got Framber Valdez. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim um, James Click shared the story, but obviously he wasn't there when Framber was around. Um, he shared the story and it was relayed to him from the owner, Jim Crane. Okay. So they said typically the Astros will hold um they'll basically book six to seven pitching prospects in a day and they'll end up seeing 10 or 12 because everybody has someone to push and so it's at the end of the day and there was a scout that they owed a favor to he wanted them to see someone the problem was the scout was 40 miles away solely. so they caved because they owed this guy a favor they went to this makeshift field and it was lit up by car headlights it didn't even have lights Okay. Yeah. So, Frambo Valdez, who they didn't know was throwing decent heaters, but nothing special. Okay. Thanks. We've seen what we like, you know, or we've seen it. We'll be back with you. Then he throws a curveball. The Astros scouts go, Do that again. He throws another curveball. They're like, And again. (laughs) And he threw another one. There you go. One more time. And that's how the Astros got. Framber Valdez. They saw that hook. They saw that curveball, which has become one of the most deadly breaking pitches in all of the major leagues. And they have guys like him, Luis Garcia. They have Christian Javier, who has reemerged. And really, if he had the innings qualified, he ranked top three in Ks per nine in several pitching categories. Where this guy, Christian Javier, could be an ace on over half the teams in Major League Baseball right now. Truly the strength of this team and the offense. We don't even need Jose Altuve apparently to hit because without him hitting, we swept seven games. If you would have told me, Sully, here's a scenario, Brett. Jose Altuve goes over 23 to start the playoffs, but the Astros win every game. I'd be like, there's no way that's going to happen because he's been a key part of big playoff victories his whole career.
0: Well, and also let's, let's remember a key player here. And the reason why I picked Seattle over Houston at the beginning of the year, and you and I talked a lot about this, I thought the loss of Correa was going to be devastating. I thought Correa meant more to that team than any player. And I and I stand by. He meant a huge amount to that team. But Jeremy Pena stepped in. And in a way that I, I, did, I did not think was possible, I thought he was a nice prospect and I thought he had an impossible task that is to fill the shoes of Carlos Correa. And while he didn't replace Carlos Correa, he made sure that that shortstop position was not a hole and he wound up taking the Carlos Correa postseason hero role to a T. He hits the home yeah. run to win the clincher against the uh. Seattle is the MVP of the series against New York and highlighted by the three run homer that turned just looked like, oh, geez, maybe the Yankees are going to get off the mat. Who knows what's going to happen? The nanosecond he hit that three run home run, every single Yankee fan felt, oh no, oh dear, it's happening. And it happened. And so, you know, Pena fitting in there was great, but let's give Dusty some credit too, because Dusty's had a reputation in his career of leaning heavily on veterans and ignoring rookies a lot of times in his career. He put Pena in there and said, we're sticking with this kid. He didn't He in and, and he set the lineup. You saw the Yankees were playing, uh, oh, uh man. we're playing Jenga and we're playing skill. You know, were, we're doing, we're playing Wordle with their, uh, their lineup. The, the lineup was like, sometimes the lineup changed in mid game. Well, now here's the leadoff. Now, like, you know, the, Osweiler someone Parraza, told me.
1: Someone told me he was looking for Bernie Williams to lead off.
0: He was, yeah. At one point, I mean, you know, he was digging up the body of Lou Gehrig. I mean, there it, it was it no idea what was going to happen.
1: Can Whitey Ford still play?
0: Well, I mean, he's more <laughs> effective than some of the pitchers they've trotted out there. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that yes, and of course, Yankees had a tremendous number of injuries to their team. But everyone had injuries. Michael Brantley didn't play for the Astros.
1: Yeah, if they could have used
0: him. You know, every team has injuries. Yes. And and like when you and I'm sorry, I mean, some of these players had fine seasons, but no one's going to look me in the eye and say this Yankee team that actually finished pretty strong. You know, they had the, they they slumped after the All-Star break, but they finished strong. They won the division by, I think, nine games or something like that. by the, well, let me just, the last week was a non-issue. And. Ninety nine games and everything like that. You're telling me they didn't go to the World Series because Andrew Benintendi was hurt
1: Let me because tell DJ you LeMahieu
0: was, because Michael King was hurt. Really, that's what that's what we're going to say. They and- still they still had you know their top pitchers there. They still had several of their top relievers there, including Luissico, who they didn't use in some key situations against Houston, and they still had Aaron Judge, who was swinging and missing. And Donaldson, exactly.
1: who's awful. Oh gosh, Donaldson is—he is a shell. He is—he is not. I mean, he's a former MVP. I mean, he's—he's—he's oh, yeah. he's, he's been there, done that. He—he's—he's he's had great moments as a major leaguer. He was at the highest level. I mean, you don't win MVP just because you're some like lucky guy that falls into the award. I mean, you get awarded that with reason and you know for cause.
0: H uh, Town, tell people where they can listen to your terrific show.
1: Yeah, on YouTube. You can check us out. We go live just about every episode. You can check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. And just remember, we're your team every day, and we're always positive, always Stros.
0: And you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Solium, and Sully Baseball on Twitter, Solid Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Showing nothing but Astros love, and we'll probably get no credit for it. This has been Lockdown MLB. Recording this on the 25th day of October 2022. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.